Hello, friends. Welcome to season three of the Inspired Human Podcast. This is Nick Stavlin and Darius Barnes. Let's dive right in. First, not with a quote from a famous theologian or a famous philosopher, but the infamous, the one and only Taylor Swift. Don't turn us off yet, I swear. Bear with me. In 2022, Taylor Swift gave a commencement speech at New York University. And she ended her speech by saying, hey, people, I have really cool news for you. You're on your own. And then she said, hey, people, I have some really scary news for you. You are on your own. This message is the mantra of our age. The whole topic and focus of our season three is this. How do we follow Jesus in the era of you do you? You chart your own path. You're the master of your own fate, your truth, your authentic self, your best life. You are your only judge. Be yourself. Friends, this is the message. This is the ocean that we're swimming in. This is our reality. If you didn't know it, welcome to the you do you era, where being authentic to who you think you are and what you think is right and good and best, that stuff matters more than anything else on planet Earth as long as you're not physically hurting anyone. That's essentially the only ethic. So be authentic to yourself. It means more than family bonds, more than marital vows, more than the opinions of others, no matter how foolish or wise those opinions are, being true to you, authentic to you. Hey, welcome to the you do you era. And I'll be honest, okay? This has been really cool for humans in my opinion, while also really devastating. I mean, it's cool. Taylor Swift is right. It's cool because like if I was raised in a family of farmers, I could choose my own path. I, I could leave the family business, follow my dreams, be an engineer or an athlete or a ballet dancer. Hey, raised to be a Democrat, you can become a Republican. And yes, I got it. Okay, I know there's always pressure to stay the same and conform. But the message of our age, the message of our culture currently, the one you'll find in all forms of print and digital media almost across the board since at least the 1960s, is that following your heart, finding your truth, you doing you, it's the best, most authentic, highest form of ethic of being a human. So here we are. In season three, and we're going to spend the whole season exploring what it looks like to follow Jesus in the you do you era. But first, let's have Darius help us out a little bit. Darius, brother, give us some background. How'd we end up here? What does this thing look like for us? I think the idea starts with not you and me. We're not we're not smart enough or, or cool enough to figure this out. But there's been a lot of great thinkers who have thought through this and defined this for us. And it really started with Charles Taylor. Uh, he wrote a massive book, almost 800 pages, called The Secular Age. And that's kind of like the nerdy scholar term that we are rephrasing as the you-do-you era. And you've described it really well. It's, it's essentially, uh, the first marker of it is it's a loss of transcendence. Okay, so if you can't figure it out already, I'm going to do the nerdy stuff, and Nick's going to make it intelligible. Uh, so, so transcendence is a big fancy word that means the world is open. That everything in life is porous and permeable. And that at any moment, any human or any, any physical thing can be invaded or occupied by a spiritual force or an unseen, an unseen entity. 
And so you could call the you do you era an age of imminence. Another big nerdy word that means everything's closed, that if you can't measure it, observe it or repeat it, then it doesn't really exist, that humans and the world are closed. We're not open to a spiritual or an invisible reality. So so if I'm hearing you right, like let's that's great. Eminence big word, transcendence big word. So it's you're essentially saying Charles Taylor's work, really the the basis of what we're chatting about here, the end of transcendence means we live in a world where if you can't kind of just see it or explain it in physical terms, oh hey, my grandma got better because she took medicine not because you prayed for it. I mean, am I on the right track? Is this kind of what you're saying, uh, that the physical world we live in trumps any sort of, quote-unquote, spiritual explanation for life? Uh, am I on the right track? Totally on the right track. It, it's a closed system. And if we humans cannot explain it, then it, it doesn't exist and it's not worth knowing about. And if we can't explain it now, then the belief is that through our own power, we'll be able to explain it eventually one day. So it, it, I think this may sound that today uh, uh, that people are no that they're no longer spiritual or religious, and that's just not true. Uh, if if we listen to folks around us, we actually hear uh, that they're as spiritual or religious at any, as they were at any other point in history. The difference is is that the the religion or the spirituality doesn't orient outside of you. You're not oriented toward a higher power or God, or, or a man who died on a cross and rose again 2,000 years ago, you're, 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 the, the spiritual comes from within you, comes from within us and what we feel and what makes us most, most authentic. And so there, therefore, we now have a set of moral guides that if there's no God or no, no, uh, no authority outside of ourselves, because we're a closed individual, we've buffered ourselves against the world, then we get to express our emotions. And that's the greatest and highest good we can have. And so you've been hinting at it, but Taylor calls this the ethic of authenticity. And that's essentially, that's just the moral code of the you do you era. And the ethic of authenticity says that if you conform to something other than your own desires, it, it's evil. So societal norms, parents, religious traditions, governmental authorities, these all repress us and make us part of the crowd, part of the collective. And once we become that, we then uh, are, are, are bad, evil. There's, there's moral wickedness put in here. I really like that idea. Thanks for expounding on it, because this authentic thing, right? I, I remember seeing this when a certain guy was running for president in 2016 because he was really brash and he said things, quote unquote, just how it was. Right. And, and I heard a commentator say, you know, I think we're mixing up somebody telling the truth with somebody being harsh and brash. Right. Because the assumption is, oh man, if you're just going to tell it how it is, you're being authentic and nothing mm -hmm. is more important or truthful than authenticity. And if I'm hearing you right, that's what you're saying. It's the highest ethic, right? I mean, it's a closed system. There is the spirituality, spiritness, spirit invading this world. No, that's not a thing anymore. We, we, we just, we can find an explanation even, even if we don't have one right now. And no, oh, by the way, the highest measure is, are you being authentic to yourself? Yeah, expressing yourself. And we, we hear it all the time. I, I just got a, 
I just got to do me. I got to express what I feel. I got my, my emotions and my feelings uh, validate my actions and my words and my thoughts. I think uh, to quote another, uh, uh, this time a theologian, Andrew Root, he summarizes the you do you era this way that capsulates what you and I have been talking about. He says, the age of authenticity asserts that we should be directed by nothing outside of us, but mm. by only what we find meaningful within us. And that that capsulates it's all right there. That's a beautiful summary of of that massive book, The Secular Age by Charles Taylor. Which, you know, on one hand, like we, we said at the beginning, that's pretty cool, right? Like we're being given a, a tremendous amount of autonomy and freedom to to create our own life. I mean, we this permeates to even parenting, right? Like kids now have this this gift. But it's also, as Taylor Swift says, it's 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 like this double-edged sword. It's it's this burden almost that if nothing can direct me, including uh, religion or including the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, you know, if 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 doing that makes me feel like I'm being less authentic to who I am or who I want to be or who I feel like I should be in this moment, then I'm supposed to ignore it. And, and frankly. I think if we start pulling on that thread, I mean, obviously, me and you were we're Christian army chaplains. Where, you know, the bias is very clear. But you pull on that thread very long, and you're just left holding two tons worth of yarn, and it's too heavy for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there, there's no form to it. There's no um, there's no there, there's no guide or path to lead you through that life. And I I, I agree with you that this is kind of cool, actually. And then. In a sense, let me tell you, my dad was an engineer, civil engineer. That takes a lot of math, a terrifying amount of math. I hate math. If it's not basic arithmetic, I'm terrible at it. And because I've been raised and you've been raised in the U2U era, I don't have to be an engineer like my dad. You don't have to work at an industry in Detroit, Michigan for 30 years like like your dad. Okay. Uh, I I can work in a high powered industry. I could be an army chaplain. I can, I could do whatever I want. And so I, th- I think there's this freedom that God has given us that the you do you era affirms is that we are creative beings and that our life is meant to be deeply meaningful. And I, I want to applaud the you do you era for that is it's trying to drive the meaning of life into every aspect of life. And so if I don't feel fulfilled by being an engineer, I shouldn't be an engineer. And that's, well, I mean, let's be honest, that's, that's really quite cool. Mm-hmm. But I, we have talked about some of the good. Maybe, Nick, you can, you can expound a little bit more on um, that ball of yarn just sitting in, in our hands like you had talked about. Yeah, that ball of yarn is typically handed to us, or at least it was perhaps in our generation. And, and, and it's super weird to talk about generational stuff here, but it, you know, it may apply. I was handed generally a ball of yarn that was fairly put together. Uh, in other words, my parents kind of passed on a way of being human and thinking about the world and relating to ourselves and family and God that they inherited that for the most part, you know, it's imperfect, but it was, it was put together. But in the age of deconstruction, which is the age of you do you, mm-hmm. some might even call it postmodern, but we're, let's just stick to the you do you idea. Uh, you, you're, you're kind of supposed to deconstruct things and ask questions like, do I like this? You know, this thing that I was told I should like, like church, does it really fit my, my, the way, the person I want to be, or, um, gosh, these, these vows that I said to my wife, 
Like, um, do I, do I really need to commit to those forever? Um, oh man, you know, I know science may say that if I let my children have unmitigated access to the internet and tablets and screen time, that they're going to be actually more exposed to depressive disorders, um, at a, at a younger age. I know I can be exposed to, but if I pull on the string of you do you, I can, the string of you do you, I, I can actually just start ignoring all that and say, no, that just doesn't seem right to me. That's not my, my truth. And then what am I left holding? I'm left holding a ton of yarn that's just pulled apart, hoping that in the center of this, I find something magnificent and beautiful. But oftentimes we unravel it and find that we just have two tons of unraveled yarn in our hands. Yeah. So you're hitting on something that is a key definition from Taylor of the secular age or the you do you era. It's that everything is questionable. And if we're expressing ourselves fully, then everything should be questioned and, and torn down and deconstructed. And so it sounds like what you're, you're telling me is we pull on this string long enough uh, with the hopes to find something, but it doesn't sound like the UDU era gives us a blueprint of how to construct something out of that yarn that is beautiful. We're not, we're not knitting it into a, into a blanket or a scarf. We're just standing here with a bunch of yarn in our hand. That's fascinating. Keep going. What, what does that do to us as humans? Yeah. Alan Noble wrote a book called You Are Not Your Own. And in this book, he, he opens up, he kicks the whole thing off talking about the lion at the zoo that paces back and forth. I mean, there's a, there's a medical term for that. It's called zoocosis. They, they're not meant to live this way. They're meant to be in the Sahara walking lots of miles every day, hunting for their prey, not, not being fed. They're put in a cage. They pace back and forth. Zucosis. Alan Noble, he takes this thread even further to use our yarn analogy and just kind of keep pulling on it. But human beings were not really meant to be the only architects of our lives. We're not, we're not meant. We cannot be the only and primary source of meaning in our lives because, you know, as he says and others, the burden is too heavy for us. So like, while no one has the right to define me, the trick is that in order to have an identity, I actually need other people to see me and affirm me. And in order to get people to see me, I need to express myself a lot. Got to throw myself out there. And then the more people who witness and affirm my identity, the more secure I feel. And, and probably this partially explains um, like the glorification of fame in our times, like being famous. Mm-hmm. You, you don't actually have to be anything other than famous. And, and then you're saying, well, what are they famous for? And then you can kind of smile and say, I don't, I don't know what they're famous for. <laughs> they're just famous. And that seems to be the highest way of expressing yourself in the you do your era being famous. So like, uh, like a Kardashian, what have they done? What have they're, they done? They're just famous. Yeah. I, I, I heard an interview where, where, uh, Kim Kardashian actually admitted to that. I'm just good at getting attention. Hmm. And somehow we generate money. We think about the TikTok phenomenon. Okay. So Nick, you bring up a great, great point. Like this is my way, my truth, my path. You do you. It sounds bad. I think from, from a couple angles, but I'm not, I guess I'm not seeing the real issue. Is, is there something here that is just devastating? What, 
what about this age can kill us? Because if there isn't any part of it, then maybe we're making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah, I, I hope we're not. I don't think we are. Charles Taylor's work, I think, says otherwise. And uh, we've already referenced Andrew Root, Dr. Andrew Root and Dr. Alan Noble and their works. But uh, look, you, you look at uh, a European scholar whose name I'm going to butcher, Elaine Ehrenberg, his book, Diagnosing the History of Depression in the Contemporary Age. He's actually a researcher and a sociologist by trade, but he's written about anxieties of people in the modern world for quite a long time. And in this book, Diagnosing the History of Depression, he takes this exact theme, the notion or this idea that we're solely and wholly owning ourselves. And it's up to us to make our own meaning, this whole you do you thing we're talking about. He, you know, Here's what he's saying. Researcher, sociologist, author of the book, Diagnosing the History of Depression in the Contemporary Age, he's saying this doesn't make us, this has not made us more free. It has not liberated us, he says. Instead of being free from any sort of moral code and about what's right and wrong, creating our own path, the weight of all of this deconstruction and holding two tons of yarn, it's actually doing the opposite. It's making us more imprisoned. It's poisoning us, using his words. It's leading us towards the highest and most depressed age in the history of the Western world. And you could probably say, well, gosh, Nick, they weren't, they weren't having surveys about mental health in the 1800s. Okay, I I got it. And you might also say, well, maybe just now, Nick, we have more awareness and the stigma for mental health has just uh, changed. And so people are more willing to get help. Yeah, yeah, perhaps, certainly. But the whole model, according to Ehrenberg's work, reflects the diagnosis of depression and all of its relatives and cousins is related at this idea, creating our own life on our own. Just me, guys. It's my way, my truth, my life. It's the root of the problem. And he's saying it's the poison in the well, essentially. So what I'm hearing you say is that depression is the shadow side of authenticity. That yeah. once we've cleared the entire world of every structure and form and repressive regime, uh, we're the only ones left standing, bearing yeah. the weight of our world on ourselves. Bingo. I mean, you know, he, he would say depression in, in the modern era, which, which even the way we define depression has changed over time um, to, to, kind of, to kind of keep up with the modern era's problems that's presenting it to us. He'd also say, by the way, that the modern era makes us ill, but that's something else. Modern society makes us ill. He'd say depression is so haunting because for some, you can have everything you want. You can possess all the sources to be happy, and yet you're sad. I mean, I joke about this with my with my kids. Like, if if we knew this stuff would work, then I would tell you, we'll find the richest person, and then let's just try to be like them. But we just know intuitively, like, even society has songs about this. Mo money, mo problems, right? I mean, we know this. We know this yes. stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. hey, depression, you said it. It's the, it's the shadow side of authenticity. So it sounds like... Depression is what's killing us. And to your point, um, I, we, we could read the works of Martin Luther, the great reformer. And there were at many times where he was depressed, but he was depressed because he was failing to live up to what he believed God's standard was. So it was coming from outside of him. It wasn't. And so once he got, once he submitted himself back to the 
authority of God, his depression went away. We could read St. Augustine's Confessions. His depression was from the failing to live the life that he uh, was set out for him to live. And once he got back in line, his depression went away. So I think you're right. I don't think depression is a new thing, but I think it's the uh, it's the canary, as Andrew Root would say, the canary in the mine shaft of modernity. So that that sounds super brutal. Yeah, I think you're right. The modern crisis is one of identity. It's an identity crisis. But when you look at old spiritual writings, even like the quest of Dante's Inferno, right? The quest that Dante engaged in, right? You find, uh, and also Pilgrim's Progress, right? There's a crisis there, but it's not an identity crisis. It's a spiritual identity crisis. My place before God is the crisis. What is my, I feel like my place before God has shifted. It's changed. Um, it's it's broken, and that has created a crisis for me that I now, through spiritual practices, seek to rectify. It's it, it's newer. It's a newer thing to say who you know. I don't know who I am anymore because I I I failed at this thing or didn't make this. It's a new phenomenon. It's one I have struggled with. I know you have. It's just a nor- It's part of being human now, but it's new. Yeah, and it even sounds like what's another part that's new about it is where these old Pilgrim's Progress or uh, Dante's Inferno, are there, there's, there was a set way to come back. And now with the you do you era, not only do you have to continue to create and curate your identity, but if it comes crashing down, you will also have to figure out your own way back. Hmm. And that sounds like it's crushing us. So, Maybe it's a good point here to try to summarize what we've talked about thus far. We've defined what we mean. Okay. The Udu Yera is marked by some major shifts in human culture and understanding. These shifts tell us that the world is no longer seen as open, but that it's a closed natural system of cause, effect, and laws. There's what's real, measurable, observable, and then there's what's kind of private or, or soft, like faith or virtue, character, and belief. Uh, Everything is contestable in this world. You get to define for yourself what's right or wrong and what it means to be human. And therefore, to have a full and fulfilling life, you must express your innermost desire and have them applauded by those around you. The only way of living that is bad in this world is a way that restricts the expression of another. Uh, Lastly, we've kind of talked about how this age requires constant change and acceleration of life. Uh, Because if you aren't being applauded, you're obviously not expressing yourself enough. So you're falling behind. You're missing out. I I think this is where FOMO comes from, the fear Mm -hmm. of missing out. And we've talked about there's some good here. Uh, I I don't have to be stuck in what my family has done for generations, uh, that life should be meaningful. But we've also talked about some some illnesses that come from this age, most notably psychosis and, and depression. Does that sound like a solid summation of what we've done this far? A great summation. That's a good word, summation. Yeah, but look, let's take it now as we're wrapping up. Let's tease out something before we wrap up, right? Because we're trying to really think about, well, how do we follow Jesus in this era? Yes. We start to define the problem. But here's, let me just ask some questions. What if we're actually most free when we seek not to be and express whatever we feel is best for ourselves? Well, and here's another question. What if... We're most free when we seek to live like the fullest expression of humanity. 
the most human one, Jesus of Nazareth. He is the ultimate human, the best of us, right? Yet also fully God. What if being more human and more free, more rooted, more authentic meant also asking myself, how do I submit myself to King Jesus? How do I how do I swear allegiance to him? Those are really good questions. I think those are going to set us up to do a lot with this season. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Nick and I are Jesus followers. He's hinted at it, but I want to remove any doubt. We have so many questions about following Jesus in the you do you era. We've Nick and I have been talking, you and I have been talking for months about this, just in our own personal correspondence. And we've both been moved by our discussion and we wanted to include you in on our thoughts. We live in the you do you era and there's no changing or denying that. One option would be to sell everything and move to a place where there's no modern amenities whatsoever. If we want to keep going on the list of good things about the modern era, we have to include cars, TV, sports, internet, justice, <laughs> grocery stores, refrigerators, community. Escaping the you do you era means letting go of all things that we hold dear. So, Nick, you and I, we believe that there is a way to follow Jesus in the you do you era that doesn't involve us becoming mountain men. We're also thinking through and we, we want to talk about ways about how we live in the you do you era and yet not be of the you do you era. We're going to talk about antidotes to the corrosive effects of, of this era. These would be things like living God's story, viewing the world as enchanted and understanding faithfulness properly. We will have episodes on practical matters. We, we want to talk about marriage. What does it mean to be married or to be a parent or to be a soldier in the you do you era? Our aim is discipleship. Uh, Nick and I, we want to learn to love and live like Jesus in our context. And we want to include you in on that conversation. So, Nick, this is going to be an adventure. I'm excited mm -hmm. for it. Yeah, that's right. All these things and more. Hit us up uh, in our general email box or uh, any other way you know how to get all of us. If you've got specific kind of topics or questions and related to this. Otherwise, friends, thanks for joining us. Season three, Inspired Human Podcast. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit.